1: This is Football Social Daily. This time next week, we'll be heading to bed knowing that Premier League football is back for another season. Pre season's wrapping up this weekend with those final friendlies taking place. And if you're Manchester City and Arsenal, the first silverware of the season is on the line with the Community Shield on Sunday at Wembley. But how much of a difference does pre season actually make? and which players might miss the start of the campaign through injury. We'll look across that on today's show as well as the latest top flight transfer talk with Manchester City finally sealing the deal on a drawn out chase, Tottenham still clinging on to Kane as the curtain raiser creeps closer and are any players from relegated Leeds United able to step up to perform in the Premier League next season? All of that to come on your award-winning podcast, Football Social Daily. And we'll even have a little quiz for you as well to take you into the weekend. My name's Niall. Welcome to the show. Hit subscribe and that way you'll stay up to date with all of our episodes. And with me on today's podcast, the familiar pair of Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. All right, boys. Good morning. Yes, looking forward to this quiz. You've bigged it up.
2: Bigged it up a lot in uh, in the group chat recently. So looking forward to it.
1: Well, last week I put a lot of effort into the quiz and I thought, There's no point just putting a lot of effort in for one week and then the next week just going back to a bog-standard quiz. So I was thinking of some ideas last night and I thought of an idea and it was making me laugh. It's making me laugh now. I think it's pretty funny, but you guys, you might completely... Not see it that way, different senses of humour and all that. So I'm looking forward to seeing how you get on in the quiz, which we will do later on in Football Social Daily. Uh, I can't really give you any clues about it because it would it would give the game away a little bit. So you'll have to sit tight on that That's one. Fine. fine by me. <laughs> um, you're going to be going up against each other as well, oh, so that makes it a little God. bit more interesting. You don't like it when you work together. It's quite strange, really. We're no. supposed to be a team on FSD, and you two just hate working together. I only like working with Joel when I'm getting paid to do so and being told by
2: <laughs> told by somebody I respect to uh, to tell to to work with him. But it's like when you get put with the slow kid in class in school, and it's like. Oh.
1: Well, last picked in PE, that sort of thing. (laughs) Right, let's start by talking about Premier League football. That's what this podcast is all about. If you've never listened before, then welcome to Football Social Daily. We are an award-winning Premier League show where pretty much every weekday during the Premier League season, we'll have a podcast for you rounding up all of the big news and opinion in the top flight of the English game. And it feels like it's the calm before the storm ahead of that first Premier League game of 2023-24, which is burnley against Manchester City next Friday night, so a week tomorrow. But most clubs now finish their pre-season tours. A lot of the preparation has been done. A lot of the groundwork has already been put down. Premier League teams have been to all different corners of the world. Some have been to the United States, some have been to Asia, some have been to Australia and I've been keeping an eye on some of the results and I don't want to fall into the trap that a lot of fans do and that's getting too bogged down, Joel, with some of the results in pre-season. They've been a mixed bag. Some clubs have not played at their best and you could expect that at times with new systems being tried and new players coming in. Does it really matter, results
0: in pre-season? What do you think? No, it's, it's, it's not an indicator at all, I think. I think now more than ever, especially due to how big social media is, especially around sports, it's just a way to kind of use it as a weapon against other rival fans and against teams to say, oh, well, you lost the game, so clearly your team's not ready for the Premier League season. Uh, but there's been so many examples in the past. Like I was just reading an article from the Telegraph where um, Manchester United in 1993, where they just bought Roy Keane for their record as a record signing that summer, and then they ended up losing to Arsenal, drew to the Kaiser Chiefs in South Africa, lost to Benfica, lost to Celtic, and then they won the double during that season. Um, so I've always said pre-season is purely about fitness. It's purely about just getting some tactics and laying down the new kind of vision for the season. Because when you look at the actual games, they all end 4-3, 5-5, 6-2. I mean, you never really see that massively in the Premier League. It's always way more closely contested. Um, But I think it's just a way for now rival fans to just almost get one up on someone. I mean, the Community Shield, I still think it is a massively glorified friendly as well, just with a little bit more of a competitive edge. But I think when you're making 11 substitutes at half-time in the games in the States during this American tour, you can't take anything from it because they're two literally two different games of football with 11 different sets of players on each side. Um, But yeah, I mean, you can take... Your little pieces of form, patches of form from individual players potentially, especially um, if you look at Chelsea and Nkunku, for example, I've been really impressed with him, or Diaby from um, um from Aston Villa. These are little players that you kind of notice of oh, they could be decent plays for the season, but until it really starts and you start to see the level go up, you can't really take much from it, can you? I don't think. I'm inclined to agree with you, but just to play devil's advocate, is there something to
1: suggest that? losing, no matter whether it's pre-season or not, Mali is not a habit you want to get into. And as much as, you know, Joel mentions Manchester United there, which is his club, they've lost the last three pre-season games in a row to Wrexham, Dortmund and Real Madrid. Now, obviously, varying levels of opposition there and totally different squads for each game by the looks of things. But also, Eric Ten Hag won't want to lose any game, whether that's pre-season, Champions League, Premier League and... I know it's one of those where you can kind of compartmentalise it if you've lost in a pre-season friendly, forget about it and move on. It's also not something you want to get used to and lose in a game. You, you kind of want to react.
2: Yeah, it's just, um, it all depends, doesn't it? I mean, Man United lost to Wrexham, but if you look at the the team that was out, it was it was an under-18s team, under-21s team. So, you know, I think didn't, they played two games in two days or something like that um, and obviously had to... Um, you know, adjust the squad accordingly. Um, I think uh, I think the there's a bigger thing with that though, with with um, it being advertised as Man United against Wrexham and being sold for eighty five pound a ticket, and you're getting um you're getting American fans going to see Man United and they're getting sure and and Will Fish and you know these these players they that aren't man united <laughs> they're going to see Bruno Fernandez Sancho you know um all the all the sort of stars hopefully hoping they can see Mason Mountain for example but instead they're getting a, an under 18s team led by maybe Palistri, if you're lucky like somebody who's just been around the first team but it's um it's it's, it's just yeah you can't really take anything from it. Um, it's more of a fitness exercise but like you say you know if you if you think too much into them then games then it can be can be detrimental to to the start of your season but in reality everyone should have another gear they unlock as soon as that first whistle goes on the on the first Saturday of the Premier League when you when you kick off for the first time and if you don't you you're in trouble
1: Well, you mentioned fitness there. Let's talk about fitness because Arsenal have confirmed that Gabriel Jesus will miss the start of the Premier League season due to a knee injury. He's had surgery on that problem and he's said to be out for a few weeks. Mikel Arteta has been speaking about this to the media and he says obviously it's a big blow because he thinks Gabriel Jesus was back to his best during pre-season, Joel. How significant do you think his absence will be at the start of the campaign for Arsenal, or do you think it might not have as much of an impact as people might suggest
0: I don't think it's going to have an impact at all to be honest um and that's purely at all no and that's purely because they managed pretty well without him when he actually got injured um, during that winter winter period at Arsenal and I thought Eddie and Ketia came in did an absolutely unbelievable job especially that game against Manchester United where he got two goals. That was a huge moment for them in the season. And not to mention the fact that they've got Balogun back, who has just been on the back of a 20-goal season with Rem in in, uh, Légion in France. So they've got two really good, capable strikers. Obviously, you can play Kai Havertz there if you want to class him as a striker. I don't really think he is. Um, I think you've got to score a few more goals to actually become a striker. But I think with with Jesus, I, I, I can see why... It can seem like such a big blow, but I think the main worry is the fact that he's having recurring knee injuries. And for someone who relies on that quick burst of pace and obviously trying to stay fit as well is not good signs at all for Arsenal. But I do think they're in really good hands with Nketiah. I've been really impressed with him. I think it could be a big breakout season again for him if he can get uh, some consistent form. Because when he first came in uh, to take over Jesus, I thought he took to it like a duck to water. Who's actually really well implemented into that system. Uh, so I don't think it's a massive worry for them. But uh, I think he's due to be out for around six weeks, according to the kind of provisional latest, then that means that he misses the Manchester United game and potentially the North London derby as well. But I still think that they've got way more potential goal threats in every other area of their attack. So I don't think it's a massive miss.
1: Yeah, and he's not the most prolific of centre forwards. I think he was really creative actually last year for Arsenal when he did play, but in terms of the raw numbers of the amount of goals he scores, and Manchester City fans will tell you the same. He's a good player, but he's not dead-eye in terms of his finishing ability probably should score more goals than he does but Joel's got a good point they did manage without him for a large part of last season but is his reliability Marley becoming an issue is that going to concern Arsenal fans moving forward
2: it it could be it's one to watch Um, you know anyone can get injured at any time it's it's football but yeah the the knee injuries a couple of times now have um, have set him back I think he missed three months um, in that over the sort of World Cup period not sure whether it was a knee or a, or a calf injury. I can't remember, but it was um, it was something that kept him out for a while. And now he's come back and he's he's got another one, and it's something to watch maybe. But I'm I'm just thinking when when Arsenal are spending or reportedly spending forty million on a second choice goalkeeper with with David Raya, are they not better off bringing in another striker like, or are they are they happy to go with Havertz because? For me, I need is, one
0: though. When you got Ketty and Balagun as well, well, Balagun's apparently for sale, isn't he? I, I can't understand that either, to be honest. You know what I
2: mean? I, I don't. I. Some of the business they've done is 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 good, but it, it does leave me a bit confused. Like I I don't get why they signed in Raya if they're happy with Rams I, I don't think Ramsay had a bad season. I think he had quite a good season. There was a couple of times where he did a, did a couple of mental things, but that's that's a goalie for you. Um so I don't know. I think maybe if they could sign, if they sell Balogun, could they not go and buy a, another striker as well? I don't, I don't know. But it's uh, it's a problem for them to solve. I've got, they've got players who can score goals. Saka and Martinelli get your loads from wings. Um, Havertz should chip in with a few more than he did at Chelsea if he's if he's in the team every week. Um, and then you've got Trossard as well, who who can score goals as well. But they've they've got to chip in now because the the season's kind of. Different from what it was last season, there's more expectation, there's more um, sort of um, hype around them to be in the in the race. And even this won't throw them off because people, like, like Joel just said, will be like, well, they coped with him without him last season, so they can do it
1: again. Arsenal weren't expected to do as well as they did last season. Now, off the back of their excellent campaign last year, they will be expected to replicate that this time around. And therefore, that brings more pressure on this group of players who... Some people say they didn't bottle it to Manchester City. They had control of the Premier League and they lost control. I mean, we've spoken about this on the podcast before, whether Arsenal are bottlers or not. I'll leave that up to the listeners to try and decide for themselves. But there is no question that there is more pressure on Arsenal this year than there was last year. Maybe not quite as much pressure on Chelsea because it's been a mess there in the last few years, Joel, with the departure of Roman Abramovich as the club's owner. Todd Bowley has come in and taken the reins. Maurizio Pochettino is the new coach and they've struggled with trying to sign a centre-forward. They've got Nkunku now, who you've already referenced on today's podcast. You said you've been impressed with him in pre-season, but he's picked up a knock. How much of a problem could that be for Maurizio Pochettino, who's had to deal with a lack of striking options already at Chelsea?
0: Yeah, he's been a bit of a standout play for Chelsea in pre-season. Obviously, he had a injury which took him out of the World Cup. I'm pretty sure that was a knee injury. I'm not sure if this new injury is a knee injury or not. But again, you don't want to be getting similar recurrent injuries because I think he could be a massive player for them next year and, uh, this season. But I think for Pochettino and for Chelsea fans as well, they do need to manage their expectations going into this season because I know they've spent a lot and they've sold a lot. But it's pretty much a whole new 11 individual players coming together in a team. And typically when that happens, it takes a good amount of time to firstly gel together, but also for Pochettino to, Pochettino to actually understand what his best first 11 is. Because another player, Mudrick, you know, they've spent a hell of a lot of money on him last year and he's looked really good in pre-season as well. But again, is he going to be better in Pochettino's system than perhaps Raheem Sterling's going to be? whether he sees Unkunku as a number nine or whether he sees him as almost like a nine and a half, he still needs to experiment massively. And the only issue he has is that he can't really experiment massively because he's got no European games. So he has to literally go with what he feels the best 11 is every single week for the Premier League. Um, so I think for Chelsea, it's going to be a massive transitionary season where you know, if they can potentially push the top four, I would say that's a very, very good season for them. Um, if they can get Vlahovic in, which is the current... Uh, Rumour with uh, Lukaku going in the opposite direction. I think that would be a really good step in the right direction as well. But again, the number nine for Chelsea is a bit of a poison chalice. I mean, Kali Bula is already up there as one of the best number <laughs> nines for them. So it's going to take uh, someone really, really good to take that number nine shirt and make it one of their own. Because I feel like Didier Drogba, I know it wasn't number nine as in the shirt, but he's almost like the last striker, or maybe Diego Costa to an extent, um, that actually did something in that position
1: yeah they've had what Morata since then they've, t- they've signed loads of players um, loads of players haven't they that haven't worked out in that centre forward position and Chelsea will want to be competing for silverware again whether that's next season or the season after Pochettino his remit no doubt will be to get Chelsea competitive once more and speaking of silverware the first silverware of the season is on the line this weekend the Community Shield takes place on Sunday it's Arsenal against Manchester City and we'll talk about it next Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your Premier League podcast. My name's Niall. I've got Marley and Joel alongside me. And the Community Shield takes place this weekend. That means we are literally days away from the start of the new Premier League season. Some people consider the Community Shield the actual start of the domestic season in this country. I'm not so sure. Does it count as silverware? Marley? Mourinho used to count them. Yeah, I
2: think it does. Um, Because to get... A shot at winning it, you've got to win something. So you that's the qualification process. Like, if you're if you wanna win it,
0: you have to win the Premier League or win the FA Cup. Not so. all the time though. You can finish second can't you if the team wins the Premier League and the FA Cup.
1: Well Arsenal won nothing last year and they're involved so there's a good example yeah
2: i mean this year is i mean it's the worst possible time for me to make that point because it's it's, (laughs) usually like you've got to win something um (laughs) but yeah it's uh I, i see it as 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 a trophy but it's one that you're not really bothered about no one's really bothered but everybody likes to have a look at it and and it's that nice little curtain raiser as the cliche goes
1: Everyone says Harry Kane's never won silverware. So if he had won three Community Shields, does that put that argument to bed? Yeah,
2: Yeah. that and the Audi Cup. He can sleep (laughs) sleep tightly in in bed at night.
1: Well, I think Community Shield technically still counts as pre-season. So if you're classing the Audi Cup in that bracket, then Community Shield falls into the same bracket. I'm not saying that that's... uh, Definitely my take on it, because if Portsmouth had beaten Manchester United in the 08 Community Shield, I would 100% be claiming him, but we didn't, so... (laughs) What was the score? I think we lost on penalties. Did you? Again, Manchester United can't crack us in 90 minutes that season.
0: If we had 11 men, maybe.
1: It's Arsenal against Manchester City, as... Joel says, Arsenal finished second in the Premier League last season. Normally, the Community Shield, if you're not aware, is like a Super Cup. So it's the winner of the domestic FA Cup against the winner of the domestic league, which is the Premier League. Manchester City won everything last season. So they can't play themselves. So it's the runners-up of the Premier League Arsenal who are their opponents.
2: City's just fielding 2-11s, having a a competitive sort of kickabout, but... They've lost quite quite a few players this summer so I'm not even sure they've got 22 players but I'm pretty sure the four kids they draft in are going to be like wonder kids
1: or whatever so I'd pay to see that. Well you're not going to see that, you're going to have to pay to see Arsenal against Manchester City instead. How do you see it going though? How do you think this one will unfold? It's so hard to predict games at the start of a season let alone between pre-season and the beginning of a new campaign so Arsenal against Manchester City, the two best teams in the country last
0: season, how do you think it will go? Do well, you remember last season? Um, was it Liverpool against Manchester City? And I think, mm-hmm. I think this is the best indicator that it has no relevance on the season where everyone thought De Bruyne and Haaland were never going to work together. Because every time De Bruyne got the ball, Harlan wasn't running in behind and everyone was thinking, it's never going to work, they've got no connection. Fast forward 12 months and the guys broke every single record in, in English football. Um, but I've got good memories of the Community Shield, to be honest. I do think it's just a really good way to just get a bit of a psychological edge going into it. But I think if you look at it on paper between the two sides, City do feel a little less prepared compared to last time. And that's purely because I still feel like they've got a lot of holes they need to fill. And I know you're probably going to say, come on, it's City. They're going to do well anyway. But, I mean, I still think they need another midfielder. I still feel like, obviously, you've got Guardiola potentially coming in. Maybe before the the, um, the game. I don't think he'll be ready, though, to be honest. But again, it feels like Arsenal are a little bit better prepared going into this than City. I know City have had a bit of a tricky pre-season as well doesn't really bear any relevance but I do think City are slightly behind schedule in their transfers which is a little bit strange because they're usually quite on the ball when it comes to that area so Arsenal I think should go into it as slight favourites I would say.
1: Well last season's Community Shield as you say was Liverpool against Manchester City and it was billed as this Darwin Nunez against Erling Haaland mega match-up as to who was going to be the best striker that season. And Haaland had a bit of a shocker. He missed some clear-cut chances, whilst Darwin Nunez and Liverpool ended up winning the Community Shield. Fast-forward a week to the Premier League season and Erling Haaland scoring hat-tricks within the first few weeks of his debut in the Premier League for Manchester City. So, Marley, you can't always read too much into how this game works out.
2: No, no. Um, I think last season Liverpool fans were were never higher than they were after that game when, you know, they were convinced that Nunes was going to be the, the, the player that people thought Haaland was and all the rest of it because, I think, did, did Nunes score? I think I think he scored. Um, and Haaland hit the bar from like six yards, I remember, or put one over the bar from um from close range and everyone was like, Oh I'm he's... starting
0: to think he did that on purpose now. Yeah.
2: I think he just lured him into a false sense of security <laughs> and had I think he had nine goals I think just a bit. So, games, I think he was just it? too excited. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, obviously as 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 the point we're making is, is saying that it it meant nothing because as soon as the season started there was a difference in, in how City played. Haaland was straight off the mark, ended up with, you know, twelve goals by September or whatever it was and you know, he was flying and scoring hat-tricks and breaking records and all sorts. And, you know, it was probably the one game that De Bruyne and Harlan needed to, to make a, a connection. Um, and they did exactly that all through the season, assisting each other, you know, scoring loads of goals and city won everything. So I think they'll, uh, they'll quite happily say, you know, we'll leave the community shield and we'll win absolutely everything else. Um, you, 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 Darwin Nunes can stick that in his in his trophy cabinet, and I think they'd take the same this season. If you said Arsenal are going to beat you, and then you're going to beat them in the league by ten points or whatever, then yeah, you know, there it is.
1: Yeah, if you had a choice between the two, you're definitely picking the major silverware <laughs> over the Community Shield. Of course, you it's are, a yeah. no-brainer. Um, Vardy, old, you've already both mentioned him. He's touched down at Manchester City. I don't think that's been officially confirmed, but it's all but confirmed that they finally got their man, a player who impressed during the World Cup. How much are you looking forward to seeing him play, Joel? Because this has been a bit of a protracted transfer chase for Manchester City, which is unusual for them. But they've managed to get their man. The signing's over the line. So how do you think he might do?
0: I'm not looking forward to watching him play because he's very good. (laughs) He's a a very, very, very good centre-back. He's, I think, almost like in the same ilk as when Liverpool bought Van Dijk. You know, someone who's just massively colossal at the back really mm. is almost just a game changer in terms of their defence. Even their defence already is very, very well But they keep doing watertight. that though, don't they, Joel? They did that with Ruben Diaz and mm. he
1: came in and was just an absolute colossus and kind yeah. of changed the way people thought about the Man City defence. Before that, Imeric Laporte was a really impressive addition and everyone was saying about how good he is. And now he's surplus to requirements. So for some reason, they just keep finding these centre-backs who just dominate.
0: Yeah, I mean, they they just buy the next upcoming top centre-back in Europe every single summer, it seems like. Like you said, Laporte from Atletic Bilbao. Then they had Ruben Diaz, who they signed from uh, Benfica. Now they've signed the next best-up. So it almost feels like going into this season, they're a little bit bottom-heavy, which is quite strange to say, considering City have always been the team that are, you know, the ones to watch from the attack. And don't get me wrong, they're probably going to end up scoring another 100 goals next season as well. I think it's a little bit more reassuring for them considering just how many players that they're already touted to lose or have lost so far. But I think Vardiol, like we've all mentioned, I know uh, Marley, me and you have already mentioned quite a lot about how he got done by Messi in that World Cup. And that might be the lasting impression that some people had of him because they might not have watched him for Leipzig, which is, you'd be a fool to do that because there's a reason why he's the price tag he is. There's a reason why Leipzig his, have been so...
2: He's defending against Belgium was insane. The yeah, game he was almost was played dictated from the back. Yeah, Lukaku had a, a tap in from, from three yards, and Gvardiol was on his backside, just like a turtle, like a tortoise that had been turned upside down. And he still managed <laughs> to just stick a leg out and block Lukaku's shot over the bar. And it was like, this kid's a freak. Like, this kid's really good. And he's like 23 or something. Don't you
1: think it's mad, though? Because yes, Messi did time and knots and twisted him inside out, but. Is that any different to 40-something-year-old Roger Federer beating 20-something-year-old tennis prodigy at Wimbledon or Jimmy Anderson, who's 41 years old, taking the wicket of 22-year-old opening batsman for Australia? Is it is it really any different to that? I mean, people, like you say, Joel, might have a lasting impression of Gavardi. Oh, yeah, well, Messi's he's old and twisted him this way and that. Well, Messi's done that to everyone for 15, 20 years. I don't think that's an indictment of how good he is as a player.
0: There's no shame in getting twisted inside out by one of the best players that's ever touched the ball. No shame at all. He Guardiola should tell that to his grandkids, that he had the opportunity to actually get twisted inside out by Messi. But I mean, he's only 21. I mean, when he gets to 26, 27, which is typically when a centre-back, or even in the early 30s, to be honest, some centre-backs really do start ageing like fine wine if you want to look at the Italian side of Benucci, Bazagli and Chiellini. But, I mean, he's 21 and he's already dictating games from defence. And that's what what, um, Guardiola wants. He wants a player who's absolutely sure in terms of his possession uh, capabilities, but also in terms of uh, leading out from the back, taking the ball out from the back. He's excellent at that as well. Um, So I think it's just good reassurance for City. After losing Gundogan, I do still think that they need to replace him but I think it's just great reassurance for them at the back because sometimes at the back last season they were a little bit shaky in some areas which I think they could shore up but they've shored that off 100% now
1: Alright, more transfer talk now and we're going to discuss Tottenham as there are two potential outgoings one of them is Harry Kane as we've been talking about all summer but this one is to do with pierre Emile Højbjerg, who could be heading for Atletico Madrid for around thirty million pounds let's deal with that one first Hoybier has been a decent enough servant for Spurs, Marley. Thirty million quid—is that a deal worth accepting if you're Tottenham? Yeah, uh, I, I think so. I think
2: um, he's he's good. He's not he's not great. Um, I think they signed him for like twenty five from Southampton a few years ago, so they're, they're making a little bit of a profit on him. Um, I think Postacoglu seems to like um, Ndombélé. Coming back as well, I think he wants to give him another chance. So that's probably a big, uh, big boost for him to say, okay, well, Hoiberg can go, and we'll, we'll give Tangai and Dombalay a chance in the midfield again. Um, I think they've still got Besuma as well. They've still got Bentanko to come back. They've got Skip there Do you know what? as well. I about Bissouma. Yeah, and they're all they're all good players, you know. They're, as well, they don't have Europe to worry about. Um, so if you've got four centre midfielders competing for two spots in one game every week. That's that's enough. It should be enough, barring a, an injury crisis. But yeah, they should be all right. And Madison's coming in there as well. He can play centre mid if you need him to. So yeah, I mean, it, I think if Spurs were in Europe, this 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 move wouldn't be getting um, getting any traction. But because they're not, they can they can maybe look at where they can gain a bit of a profit uh, and reinvest it into into the two centre backs that are, uh, they're apparently signing.
1: Well, we haven't spoken about Harry Kane for a while, so let's. He's likely to stay at Spurs if no deal is done with Bayern before the start of the Premier League season, which is, of course, a week tomorrow. That's according to newspaper reports. The German press, Joel, say that Kane's willing to take a wage cut to force a move, in their words, to the Bundesliga side. If he hasn't left Tottenham Hotspur by this time next week, is he staying at Spurs for the season?
0: Yeah, and I think it would be smart to at this stage, to be honest. I genuinely don't understand. I think the German press are getting way ahead of themselves with this. They're seeming to report every single move that their technical director's making in terms of coming for meals with Daniel Levy. He's having a cancelled meal the next week. Suddenly they <laughs> don't know a cocktail, the- glass of red yeah. wine. Side of lobster and everything. And the, yeah, and the Daniel Levy's making him pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the. the this is, is a really easy way to get free meals for Daniel Levy because I think he's absolutely playing them. How do they not know the price? If you're at a meeting with him and he's making you guess, oh, €80 million euros isn't enough, let's meet in two weeks' time to discuss it again. If you're buying... I would be saying you either name us a price or we'll come in for him in six months actually because foreign clubs can have a pre-agreement with a player who's having his contract run down six months prior to the contract finishing. So they could speak to him in January and get a pre-agreement signed in January if they really wanted to. I think Daniel Levy is playing them. I think that the German media are trying to make out that Kane is desperately wanting Bayern when he's actually not. I think Kane's pretty content with how the situation's going. And if I was Kane as well, considering Manchester United have just bought um, Rasmus Hoyland, and that seemed to be the only destination, realistically, that he'll go to, I think he'd be really smart now to have a good season under uh, Postacoglu, try and see what he can do with this Tottenham side this year. And if things don't work out and evaluate by January, just go on a free and choose who you want to go to in the summer. He's still going to be absolutely world-class this time next year.
1: Why do you think everyone's desperate for Kane to move on? I'm going to look at this from a different angle because this is probably how Tottenham fans are feeling. Every single person that isn't a Spurs fan, if I was a Tottenham fan, would to me seem desperate for Kane to move on. What if Kane is happy with staying at Tottenham, becoming the club's record goalscorer, which he is, potentially breaking the Premier League goalscoring record, and if he doesn't win anything, so what? I don't think that means he's any less of a great player because he hasn't won a trophy. You know, people talk about Steven Gerrard. They put him on a pedestal because of how good a player he was. Yes, he won the Champions League, but he never won the Premier League. And Harry Kane probably isn't going to win the Premier League with Tottenham, but it doesn't mean he's any less of a great player. If I was a Spurs fan, I'd be getting a bit annoyed at this stage, if I hadn't been already for the last couple of years, that it just seems everyone wants him to leave Tottenham. And maybe he might just be happy there.
0: But his actions don't say that because why has he got one year left on his contract why did he want to leave two years ago to go to Manchester City if he really wanted that he could sign a contract tomorrow and Daniel Levy would be happy yeah,
1: but Wayne him. Rooney once said that he was going to leave Manchester Different United scenarios, to go to Manchester though, be-
0: City because Rooney had won everything by that stage fair enough why does that make a difference because the the main crux around Kane wanting to leave is to win something isn't it If Ke- if Rooney wanted to leave OK, maybe there's difference in ambition, difference in views at the club. But you can't say he's wanting to leave to win something because he'd already won everything. Same with Gerrard, won the Champions League, won the FA Cup with Liverpool. He's, he's almost got his conscience clean, whereas for Kane, it's been really well documented. And he said it himself, that if I'm age 30 and I've not won anything, I'm going to be massively disappointed. So he's almost hinted quite a lot at the fact that that's a really big... Motivation and almost a bit of a dilemma in his mind, I can understand your point massively, which is i 'm sure he would he would love nothing more than to stay at Tottenham and win something that would be the pinnacle of his career if he won an f a cup next year um and he would be absolutely he could retire at a happy man. I still think if he retired and stayed at Spurs, I still think there'll be something in him which probably looks back and thinks. I, could, I can't believe I've scored all those goals and they've been... Mm. For, I don't want to say for nothing, but the goal of football is to win something. And I get for, what the, you're for, the, saying. for the status of player he is and how good he is, I'm yeah. just really sad for him that he's never been able to put it towards silver, where it's, it's madness to me.
1: But if it, if it comes to it and it's the end of his career and he's broken Shearer's record, and let's say he's got 300 Premier League goals just to pull a number out of nowhere, and he's won one FA Cup or a League Cup or something... There will still be people who sit there and say that Harry Kane is underachieved. Now, I think that is a mad thing to suggest for someone who scored three hundred goals. He hasn't underachieved; his club's underachieved. I think that's the point I'm trying to make.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of them. Like ultimately, I'm probably simple as you know. I, I think that he is. That, that, there's so many players who have won the, the Premier League that you could. that you would forget, you can't name every player who's won the Premier League, Um, you will forget players that play for Man United that have got a league, winners' medal, Leicester, Chelsea, Arsenal, whatever. You won't forget who was the Premier League's top scorer, because until some freak comes along and scores 320, which might be Erling Haaland, ironically, um, but maybe not, you know, that's so hard to beat and that's that's something that will go down in history i'm not sure how many players have ever been premier league all-time top scorer i'm not sure who it was before Shearer.
0: yeah but marley you made you made a really good point a couple of weeks ago which is that records can be defeated so for example harlan could take kane's record in seven years and suddenly he's not a record holder anymore whereas if he wins a premier league he's that for i think life. that was me that made that, that point a just for you life. give marley all was his he credit he? But <laughs> well, either one of you I swear I could really recollect I like it was Marley, but I, yeah, but it's a great point. Though. It might, uh, it might have been. you was he, me. Records are there to be broken. I see, I see so. it might have been, <laughs> Scratch it that. Then. Sorry, sorry, Marley, you're not having the credit anymore.
2: <laughs> I see it both ways, me. I'm, I'm kind of, I sometimes flip between them, but I think ultimately I come down to if you're in history as, as the top scorer, I think even if you get overtaken, he's still the highest scoring Englishman in Premier League history. And there's, there's that thing of, like... Also, I don't think Haaland will beat it, because I think he'll move on to Real Madrid. I think, ultimately, that is... That's where he's going to end up. I think... I hope he stays, because I, I'd like to see him score all... I, I want to see anyone score all the goals, especially if the record does get broken, and it's not Shearer anymore, because I haven't then got a horse in the race. So I just want anyone to score all the goals in the world. But... You know, it's it's one of them. I think you're in history more for being Premier League all-time top scorer than winning one Premier League and, and one FA Cup at Spurs, having been there for 15 years or whatever you've been for.
1: It's a hard one and one will no doubt probably have the answer to before the start of the season which as tune you mentioned, in next week for this just over a again. week ago yeah tune in next <laughs> nothing's happening like at all, all apart month. from a new we've lunch, had our, our once it. a month cane debate that we always come back to um, just before we move on and do the quiz for this week Leeds United were obviously relegated last season and it looks like Premier League clubs are starting to turn to the players of those teams that went down last season Southampton and Leeds in particular, as Leicester, of course, have already lost Johnny Evans, James Madison and Harvey Barnes. From a Southampton perspective, Romeo Lavia is interested in Liverpool, whilst James Ward-Prowse is supposedly interested in West Ham United. But we haven't spoken too much about Leeds, who are now managed by former Norwich manager Daniel Farker, as they look to try and return to the Premier League at the first time of asking. Their season starts this weekend in the Championship. Everton have been linked with Leeds winger Wilfred Njonto. Aston Villa have been linked with Tyler Adams. Is there anyone else at Leeds who you think's good enough to keep playing in the Premier League Marley or is that about it?
2: Uh well, they've loaned everybody, out, haven't they? Every everyone in that Leeds team who you've not just mentioned has gone on loan to somewhere. I think they they loaned Woba this week. Um Cox gone. Um there was a, a couple of others as well. It was the um Arrington? I think he's I think he's gone on loan somewhere as well. So there's there's um there's a few still there. I think Adams is a decent player and I think I think Nyonto. we've sort of mentioned the two there that would stand out. Um, Everton are desperate for players. They're still trying to sell Damari Gray and and bring in a player who I, I see is very similar to Damari Gray. Nyonto, and Gray are the same type of player, really. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'd probably say them too. I think Tyler Adams was getting linked with um, some big clubs a few weeks back, but it seems to have gone quiet a little bit, but I think he can um, he can he can step up. He plays in a role where it's quite um, sought after. If you if you're looking for combative defensive midfielders, there isn't too many of them knocking around. Lavia is obviously the the premium one. he'll probably go to Liverpool, um, but outside that, you know, if you're looking sort of top six, I think he could get into the Spurs team. We just talked about Heuberg going. I think he could get into that team as a as a replacement for him if they think they need another midfielder. But yeah, it's. Um, the problem is with Leeds, they didn't have a lot of time together, Adams has only been around for you know, was it was it a full year or was it six months Adams came in for and McKennie was another one and you know, they didn't have too much time to to gel and then they had two managers in that time as well with um, with Javi Gracia getting sacked before the end of the season and, and stuff like that, so I, I feel like it's sort of putting teams off a little bit because they haven't had a full year of him watching him and going, oh well he's quality even if they go down, but yeah, that's, um, that's probably Leeds' problem. I think they're gambling big time on getting back up at the first time of asking, bringing those loan players back um, and then investing again. But I'll have to wait and see if that comes to fruition.
1: Yeah, championship looks really strong this year. I've seen a supercomputer predict Leeds to finish outside of the playoff places, but Leicester and Southampton to be promoted automatically. Some really tough tough team. Leicester will walk that league I think well they've got some really good players haven't they Um, that they've signed players like Cody and Winks for example who are two Premier League players who have gone down to help Leicester City in the championship they're not messing about they desperately want that promotion back to the top flight and these two desperately want to beat each other in this week's quiz it's a good one so stick around it's coming up after this Welcome back to Football Social Daily. This is your award-winning Premier League podcast. And every week we like to test Marley and Joel with a quiz. Sometimes they work together, but today they're going up against each other. And the quiz is slightly different this week. Last week I put a lot of effort into it. And I thought I'd put equal effort into it this time around. Uh, Last week the theme was footballers who have starred in movies and TV shows. A very different theme this week now i've got a presentation on the screen in front of me which marley and joel can see if you're listening to the podcast via audio i think we're going to try and put it on social media
2: we'll get it on the youtube um so head to the youtube just type in football social daily on youtube and it'll be there in well this afternoon so we'll see what uh, what magic niles come up with
1: <laughs> how are you feeling about the quiz this week after last week
2: uh th- I mean, I'm looking at words right now that say 20-second drawing challenge. Um, Yep. So I'm not not confident, but I usually beat Joel, so, you know.
1: It is a 20-second drawing challenge, and this is why. Yesterday, I was given a list of football-related things, whether that be silverware, managers, players, club crests, by my girlfriend, and she gave me 20 seconds to draw them down on a piece of paper and it's up to you boys to tell me what you think i've drawn in 20 seconds if so you get it right you, you clearly get a point... not picasso are you then <laughs> from the sounds of it <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait till you see some of these they're absolutely Christ, terrible. <laughs> so if you're ready for it we'll get started all right you've only got 20 seconds to answer so as soon as the 20 seconds is up you stop guessing It's fastest finger first, so whoever gets the answer first is the winner. So you're going to need to be quick. Everyone ready?
2: Yeah, let's go.
1: Okay, here we go. Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Well done, Marley. It is Crystal Palace. Hey, that is,
2: that's a good drawing, that.
1: (laughs) I only had 20 seconds to draw it, and I'm absolutely buzzing. You got that in three seconds. I thought it was a Pokemon. Well, the old one. (laughs) You got that in just under four seconds, so I'm absolutely buzzing with that. Well done, Marley. You're 1-0 up. That's a good effort from you. Let me just keep track of the scores.
0: For everybody who can't see, it looks like the Twitter logo. Well, before X. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Right, moving on to the next one. 20 seconds, and whoever gets it first is the winner. Here we go. It's a trophy the Champions League more Joel you've done it well done
2: oh it looks more why would I have, I was thinking Super Cup because it looks more like it but why
1: would <laughs> it's you draw the Champions the League. League well He's done Joel you got it oh, seven and Christ. a half seconds I don't think that's too bad an effort that's decent I, 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 got, right, it. Man.
0: I got it Picasso so
1: I mean I think it actually it's looks not tall like not small enough you know the Euros trophy yeah it looks a bit like the Euros trophy, but the Champions League trophy. I mean, you say it's not tall enough. I only had 20 seconds to uh, to draw that. So it's 1-1. Moving into the next one, if you're ready. Here we go. It's a player. <laughs> Is that um, Jack <laughs> Grealish? Jack Grealish! Marley's done it. Five it? seconds in, <laughs> it's Jack Grealish. I'm oh, so God. happy with that. Yeah, well done, Marley. You're winning 2-1 now. Was it the headband that gave it away or the hair? What was uh, it?
2: It was the, the hair on the top and not round the side. It's like sides. a pineapple.
1: <laughs> well, Jack Grealish. Well, Marley got it right. I mean, Sam Maximan. Sam Maximan. Was yeah. it the, He's not in the Premier League anymore. It's not a bad so. guess. I mean, yeah, I could see I mean, I yeah, he why. technically
2: isn't in the Premier League. but I could And see also, why. why would your girlfriend tell you to to draw St. Maximan?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she doesn't know. She was only telling me things that she knows, basically. Oh, um, oh I should do this with my wife. Christ. Oh, yeah, that's what I say. You should do it next week. You should yeah. do it next week. It'd be brilliant. 20 seconds is all you've got. I was thinking about doing it blindfolded, but then I thought it'd just be impossible for you to guess what they are. It already looks
0: like you've done it blindfolded.
1: (laughs) Right, moving on. Marley's winning T1. Here's the next one. You've got 20 seconds. It's a trophy. UEFA Cup. Um, Sorry. Uh, uh. Conference League. Well done, Marley. He's done it. Oh, Joel, you choked there. You choked. I couldn't
0: think of the bloody name.
1: UEFA Cup. Yeah, I mean... It looks a little bit like a cross between the Europa League Europa and League. the Conference League. I think it's got the bottom of the Europa League and the top of the Conference League. But it was the Conference League that I was trying to draw. And Marley again, inside five seconds, you nailing this three-one. You saw Joel a, fumble and just like me in. running yeah. from the
0: halfway line, doing all the work, and Marley taps it in and does his own celebration to the fans.
1: Sweaty goal on FIFA that we used to be called back in the day. <laughs> Love it. Right, moving on to the next one. Marley's winning three-one. Joel, you're gonna to have to pull it out the bag here. Right, here we go. It's a club crest. The bees, crest. Brentford. Oh, that's I a tie. That. Nah, that nah that's new. a tie. I had that. Nah, that's a tie. Do you know what? I'm gonna give it to Joel just to make it interesting. I said 3 oh. No, but
0: I said the bees just before as well, so I already knew what it was. Right, there so they
1: are, it, I think that's we need for that
2: one.
0: I said the bees. That's not the answer. Yeah, well, I said it's Brentford the at the same FC, time, so it? even gave a little hint just before.
1: Brentford. I mean, that's not a bad effort for 20 seconds. That's all right. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly a B. I mean, it, it looks like a sausage. <laughs> it's it's a really sausage in the middle of a number out. eight. In the middle of a plate, yeah. That's what it looks like. It doesn't look like a B. Um, but here we are, 3-2 then. I think there's only a couple left here. So, Marley, you've got a chance to pinch the win out, right? Or Joel, can you make a roaring comeback? Here we go. On to the next one. 20 seconds to guess this manager. Klopp. Yes, Joel. It is Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> what oh gave God. it away?
0: <laughs> it's just his
1: teeth. <laughs> I think, don't think that's too bad. Look. Yeah, the it's the, it's, is the gern. Good. it's
0: the massive gurn and the ha. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Jesus. I've done a speech bubble with "ha" in it because he always says that, doesn't he? So, and the baseball cap—the first At thing first, I started drawing. I did drawing, think it
0: was Ash Ketchum from Pokémon.
1: <laughs> it does look a bit like <laughs> the guy from Pokémon. Yeah. When I first started drawing this one, I started drawing the hat because as soon as I thought of Jurgen Klopp, I thought hat. Yeah. But then I realized I didn't have enough time to give him a big enough face. (laughs) So (laughs) I ran out of time and I was like, I need to give him some teeth. And then I thought, oh, no, I forgot to put glasses on. They're going to choose someone else. And then I realized Jurgen Klopp doesn't wear glasses anymore. So I've managed to get away with that one. Right. We're all tied, lads. And I think there's only one or two to go. So here we are into the home straight. This Football Social Daily 22nd drawing quiz. Are you ready for the next one? It's a player, but who is it? That, well, that
0: could, could be, be abs. It, it literally looks like a potato <laughs> with hair on it.
1: <laughs> it's just for the win.
0: Harry Kane. Oh, it's Harry Kane! No, you-
1: is it? <laughs> it's Harry
2: Kane! No, has he told you the answer? Because how's he got Kane from no, that? No. For everyone who can't no, see,
0: no, let no. me describe it. It looks like a potato with a little bit of fluff on the top. <laughs>
2: that
1: is mad. I mean, that it's is, obviously pretty I good mean, for Marley to guess that it's Harry Kane. That is a
2: If, if you're listening on Spotify, you just... You have to go to the YouTube. just
0: <laughs> will put it in, the, in the description. We'll put be... the link in the description. I'll tell you, you what, have we'll, to go we'll put the link
1: it. in description. We'll put it in Telegram. If you've not joined our Telegram chat, then go to our Twitter page. Find the pin post at the top of our Twitter feed or X feed or whatever you're calling it these days and get into the Telegram group and we'll put it in there. Some of these <laughs> drawings are a bit suspect, but I'm so happy that Marley's I just, got Harry
0: Kane. I just, I, can't, I just cannot believe that you've got Harry Kane from a potato. If
2: there's if there's like how many how many people are there in the world? Is it like eight billion or something? <laughs> like that could be five billion of them. Like it <laughs> could hey, be anyone.
0: That could have classed as flippingly catamole like <laughs> It could have been I mean, anyone. you're disrespecting
1: Harry Kane here. You're saying that he looks plain and normal and yeah. <laughs> there's nothing. Well, that's a plain draw. <laughs> Harry Kane's quite a plain looking guy. I mean, what <laughs> outstanding features are there on Harry
0: Kane? I just don't get where Marley's got that from. Even the little tough on the chin, I thought it was going to be like Kevin Curran <laughs> or something. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to think, it has to be a
2: mainstream player. Otherwise, Niall's girlfriend wouldn't know it. So yeah, that's, that's why true. I went for that's Harry true. Kane. I was just like, yeah, fine. There he is. There you go. Look at that. We can put these up for charity signing,
1: and then people <laughs> yeah. can. Well, we got the watch. scores on the bottom and the scores on the doors. It finishes Marley four, Joel three. Last minute winner for Marley. Well done, you've won the quiz, Joel. Any regrets? You did choke on that Europa Conference League.
0: Yeah, my only regret is that you're an absolutely. <laughs> <shit lover. laughs>
1: well, I'm saying I didn't do GCSE art, so you can see why. <laughs> you quite can quite tell. Clearly. I'd love to see. I'd love to see you try to draw in 20 seconds. That's why I think you boys should well, do that next week. Mm-hmm. I think you should come armed with some drawings and and see how it goes. My drawing skills, not up to par, but Marley's guessing skills certainly are. Well done, mate. You've won 4-3. Joel's absolutely raging. More so at my drawing skills than his own lack of ability to figure out what the Conference
0: League trophy looks like to figure what Kane looks like (laughs) (laughs) that's
1: why I put it at the end because it was hard that's it for today's Football Social Daily more quizzes next week so stick around for that hit subscribe in fact and that way you won't miss an episode of the podcast again we are nearly there the Premier League season is almost upon us Still three podcasts a week next week, but when the Premier League season kicks off, there'll be more content for you, so you don't want to miss it. This is the place, the award-winning podcast for Premier League news and opinion from myself, Joel and Marley. That's it. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you the other side. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.